Wagwandali, what you saying? You're good, fam. You're good. You see me, I look good. I am blessed by God to look good. So you look good. And I'm glad you're back with me. My Billy Podcast, a podcast focused on beating the hell out of your negative voice. I don't know why my hands keep moving. It brings engagement. That's what I heard. But thank you for listening to a podcast focused on overcoming that negative voice that says, Blog off this. He don't know what he's doing. I don't know what I'm doing. When I walk out and I go out into the mall, into the store, should I act a shell of myself or should I just be someone they want me to be? No, be yourself. That voice that says, oh, I can't do it. I won't do it. I must not do it. I must not be able to do it. I must not have the traits to do it. That voice that says that we beat the hell out that voice here on this podcast. And if you like, you know, aggression, beating the hell out of that negative voice that always tries to pull you and dim your light. And you like to shine your light. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Let's get into this week's episode before I keep babbling and babbling and babbling because that's my favorite thing to do. This week's guest, honestly, is someone with such an inspiring story and something that got me so energized, so charged, so motivated listening. I just can't wait to share it, honestly. Mr. Sahil Mittal. Now, this kid is 18 still in high school, and he founded his own sports and media platform, NBA G League Tracker, really showcasing the next wave of NBA talent. Not only that, but he works for the Windy City Bulls as a digital media and PR associate. Now, this kid, this man, started off as a little ball boy for those Windy City Bulls. And when he had that vision in his eyes to be more, to work more, to work his passion with the sport, to showcase the stories and the lives that he loves seeing in that little boy's lens to what he's become now. It's so powerful. He's joined this show to pursue the passion he has for speaking and to pursue the passion he has for the game to showcase not only his story, but to showcase and highlight the stories that he does every single day. I think that literally this is so powerful seeing a young kid, young man, not even graduate high school, do what he's done. So focused, so driven. He's a winner. He's confident. He's courageous. He has a clear and clear, I said that twice, real clear vision. He has clarity in what he wants to do. And I'm so honestly, literally no edits in this because I don't need any, because this is just the life I'm giving to this intro and I'm giving him the stage right now. I hope you enjoy. Obviously we started with connection issues. Who cares? That's technology nowadays but again i wanted you on this podcast literally because of what you represent the younger generation covering the game and just your passion for not only sports but life in everything that you do like you see the underlying it's not just the passion for oh this sport this team this athletic person it's like the drive to become something greater and on this podcast that's what i showcase is individuals within the journey of the climb where they're going the mindset that one gets Every single step of the way. So, Mr. Sahil Miltel, welcome to the Mind Billy Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, for real. It's it's really cool. It's really cool to see kind of you ascend. Like it's funny because I saw the G League Tracker, the thing that you're your founder of the G League Tracker. If anyone is lives under a rock and is paying attention to the actual G League, he literally puts out, you know, content on, you know, signings, whether it's just broadcast journalism, digital journalism on how like the league is expanding and, you know, the different moves around the league. And I think it's so fire. So many people won't understand how fire that is because 
this underrepresented group like the G League is, athletes that have all the traits, that have all the skills to do the thing, the next level, don't really get represented. But somebody takes out of their day, out of their time, unpaid for this and sees their stories and wants to highlight their stories. I think that's amazing, bro. And I think that you created your own lane in that and in, in doing so. I just think and just thinking about it now, just posing the first question randomly, like I always ramble off my head. It's like, where does that even come from? Because nobody looks at the G League and says, OK, I want to highlight these guys. I want to, you know, focus on these guys and study these guys and broadcast and trying to get stories out of these guys. So where does that story come from, from an underrepresented group? Well, for me, it kind of comes from two different areas. I mean, I think I have to start with the the love of the G League. So I was in middle school, I think, beginning of middle school when the Bulls got their minor league team um, about like 10 or 15 minutes from my house, not even not even 15 minutes. Um, and so my parents, you know, they saw it online and I was like, oh, we should, you know, go, tr- go see that, go see what it's all about. Um, I was looking at the rosters because I'm, you know, I've been a big basketball fan forever. Um, so I was looking at the rosters and I saw guys like Will Bynum were there um, and a couple other guys who I had like trading cards of because uh, I collected cards uh, and like autographs like crazy. Um, and so we went to that first game and uh, we really loved it. I was getting like some autographs by the court um, and the team president for Windy City came over and apparently they didn't have a ball boy for that game. So he was like, hey, do you want to be the ball boy? So he moved my family courtside and I got to be the ball boy for the game. And it was just a really cool experience. And then uh, we just kept coming back um, every year. We got season tickets and um, I just thought, started following the league a lot more closely. Um, and then like on the journalism side, uh, I took a class in high school um, my freshman year that was um, it's our studio TV class. So we do, uh, you know, broadcast journalism. Uh, we create different news segments uh, sports highlights, that kind of stuff. And I was kind of lost in the beginning because it was a really unstructured class. It was like, do, do what you want to do. Like you can edit, you can film, you can be a on-camera personality. Um, and so I had no clue what to do the first couple of weeks. Um, and I was like, you know what? I have this relationship with Windy City. Um, maybe they'll let me go to like a media day or interview a player or something like that. Just you know, a long shot. Um, so I reached out and, uh, that was my first project. We ended up going to Windy City Bulls Media Day, um, my freshman year. Um, I think it was in like November, right before the season started. And, um, that was, uh, I really loved it from there. And then a couple of months later, I started the, uh, G League tracker page on Instagram. Oh, so that makes so much sense. I'm laughing because I literally, before I do these, I always stock your page, stock my guest page, because I want to understand, you know, grasp all the content that I can. And I, I just saw you, I think it was uh, PJ Dozer, interview yeah. him beforehand. Then you interviewed him when he came back to the Iowa Wolves. So like seeing you before the little kid, like the whimpering voice, even before this, I'm like, all right, I'm in this hotel. Like I'm kind of anxious for this interview. So I'm like, but then I listened and I watched that again. I'm like, damn, like there's growth. Just seeing you grow is like, okay, chill. Like there's stages of this. I don't know. I think that is so cool. Just having that drive come from an actual passion that you have to then again, build on what you want to do and become, you know, who you are now. I would ask, though, reverting back to that kid that goes to that game, 
who has that passion for the game. Before that, at home, you're the oldest of two younger siblings you have, the oldest of three. But how was that relationship like in the home when you're the oldest sibling and you come up, I think you're what, four years older than your, your next sibling? Yeah. How does that work when you're the oldest sibling and, you know, you're you're kind of grinding for not only what you want to do, which you you you're a tennis player and you're in sports and you're in business. You have that mindset. But the pressure in that, what is your relationship with the negative voice when it's coming in those moments, whether it's okay, I got to do this for my family, but then I got to do this for my team. But then again, I got to do this for the Windy City Bulls. But then again, I got to do this for the G League tracker, like all at once. What is that like trying to be that example, but then creating your own path? Walk me through your journey in that. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of balance and it's like, it's a constant balancing act. It's not, I I never have like a set path of what I'm doing. It's, one day I may be running to the arena to go do a game uh, for the Bulls right after practice, uh, right after tennis practice. And then I got to, my brother comes to the game and I got to take him home. And then my parents are out for the night. So I got to watch my sister. Um, it's just a little bit of everything. Uh, just trying to find that balance is, it's tough, but it's doable. Um, especially when I have, you know, siblings and uh, parents who really support what I'm doing and, uh, they really want to help me in whatever way they can. I, um, I think back to earlier this year, actually two times earlier this year, uh, we were in Nashville doing a college visit and we had, it was on like a Saturday and we had a game for Windy City that night. My visit was in the morning. Um, we were flying back around like four o'clock, the game's at seven. And, you know, my, Parents weren't super thrilled about it, but you know, they really wanted to help me get to the game. They wanted to help make sure I was, I was there. So, um, moment we got off the flight, they drove me straight home as fast as they could. We got, we just kind of moved as fast as we could to get me to the game. Um, and, and th- that's just like a little thing that shows like, even if, you know, we're coming back from a flight or if it's tough to do it, they'll still help me, um, do what I want to do and help me get to, uh, where I want to go because they know I'm so passionate about what I do. So. Um, having, having that support system around really, really, really helps. Having that support system, it sounds like, you know, they're obviously hardworking, driven individuals kind of have those values instilled from young in you from a young, early age. How was that being the only sibling for a while growing up in that come from an Indian background, Indian culture and having that presence and then the American experience and Growing up in Barrington, Illinois, you kind of have your own beliefs on what the world looks like. Then you go back home and you have your own, you know, cultural family, strong values. What was your parenting like and how were you in the in between the two voices, in between the two yous? Because me, I'm a Nigerian, American, obviously. But when I go back home, I have a different set of values. I have respect levels at a T, like everything is different. Like I pose myself a different person in the household. Then I go out and I'm with the fellas. I'm with the boys trying to fit in that way. What is your relationship with being and remaining authentic, finding yourself in that? Yeah. I mean, so both my parents, like you said, uh, Indian background. So all my grandparents were born in India and then my parents were born here. Um, So I've kind of had that cultural balance for, you know, pretty much, uh, as long as I've been here. So 
my parents, of course, are strong in the academics. You got to do really well in school. Um, and that was kind of, you know, on me from an early age. And I mean, it's something I wanted to do too. That's probably just because of the, the cultural, uh, the cultural thing. Um, but wait, wait, not to cut you off. Was it something you wanted to do or because again, being from a cultural background, we got, we, we comply. That's what we do. We comply, we comply, but it's not just like, yeah, that's what we want to do. We just learn to kind of, I don't know, just thinking out loud, like, if it wasn't, if you were in a different person body, like tennis, obviously you have this love for sports tennis from an early age. Would it be academics? Yay. This is what we do. Or would it be? Right. And, and I don't know. Cause I mean, there's, I have friends who, you know, they come from different cultures and their parents are not strict at all, but some of them are super strict and they're from a completely different culture. So I, I don't know, but I just know that as long as, you know, my academics were good and everything was going well with that, they were really supportive and, you know, putting me in tennis at a really early age. I started playing at five. Um, and they were, you know, always driving me to lessons, uh, making sure I was involved with that. I was always in park district basketball when I was super young. Um, so, you know, the expectation was there to do well academically. And, you know, as long as I was at least striving for that, they had no problem supporting me in everything else that I was doing. Um, and so I think that balance was, uh, was really good. And it didn't, make me have to change who I was if I love sports um, and being around people who love sports versus coming home and having just academically focused uh, parents or an academically focused environment. Um, my, my parents have similar loves to me and um, kind of that balance has been really, really key. It's interesting. And that's beautiful. Whenever you have that balance, you have the support, and you don't have, you know, kind of the pressure that that I alluded to earlier, because, again, I, I'm just thinking if I'm behind your eyes in your shoes, oldest sibling, cultural background, grades are important. But tennis. But then I love the game of basketball. But I also love showcasing stories of the game of basketball. It's just like pressure, pressure, pressure. If 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 it was me, I'm just like, all right, when I go back home, can I chill for a second? Like, obviously, I'm doing everything that I love, but it's like. sometimes the things that we're blessed with and the blessed, the, the capabilities that we have, the traits that we have for us to do, they become burdens and they become heavy on us to carry. Like you alluded to the, the balancing act and everything that you're trying to do, I guess in your tough days and I'm jumping around. Usually if, if you listen to my episodes, it's, it's totally different. And, but for your story, I'm really curious because I'm really trying to get in your mind, in your head an impressive young man, literally inspiring kid, 18, graduating this year, does all these different things. One, from working at BHS High School from the, the media team, doing all that stuff, then going to G League Tracker, literally founding your own thing, and then working for Windy City Bulls and doing the, you know, PR, digital media, like, I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. He's 18. Like he just, And he's not just starting at 18. He's been doing this. So when you think about your high school years, what's the cost in that? What's the cost in you doing this and this and this and this? Obviously, you have a mindset and a very mature like, OK, he's looking out for his future, probably not only for himself, probably for his sibling, his family. He wants to be respected. He wants, you know, he wants his family to be proud like all of us do. But what's the cost in that in your high school years? I mean, especially in high school, it's you know, the, the social aspect you have, you're doing so many things, you know, maybe they're career driven or family driven that, um, you, you 
don't do some of the social things. I mean, don't get it wrong. I'm still, you know, I'm still going out with friends whenever I can, but let's say, you know, three weekends in a row, we have back-to-back games or two weekends in a row. We have back-to-back games on the weekends. There goes that full weekend for me, basically. Um, if we have a 7 PM game on a Saturday, I'm usually getting there around three. And then if I'm out the night before, um, you know, I'm getting up a little later and then I got to do homework pretty much until I go, uh, to work. And then you get up, you do it again the next day. So I think maybe losing out on some of the social aspects, uh, instead of, you know, maybe going to a football game and just watching it and hanging out with friends in the, in the stands. Um, you know, I'm on the field, I'm filming, I'm working constantly. So there's not, I think you, you do lose some of that, a little bit of that high school experience doing some of the stuff I've done, but you know, I've really enjoyed it because I've made something out of it. Right. I mean, if you're just doing it to do it, you're going to hate it. But I mean, I, I love doing it. So, and I found friends who, you know, we love going out and filming the basketball games, filming the football games and, you know, creating great videos that, you know, are showcased on a jumbotron right before the game that everybody watches. We kind of feel a sense of pride in that. Um, and I think knowing that and knowing that we love that makes us not feel like we're missing out on uh, some of the other things that go on while we're uh, working and doing other things. It's interesting what you said there. You said you made something out of it, which you have. <laughs> you really literally have. But it, it poses a question in my mind. It's like, do you think or what's your take on confidence? Because it's like for me, you know, when we're in our adolescent years, from eight to 18, we're really, you know, crafting our belief system about, you know, not only who we can be, what we can do, but things around us, how we respond to everything in the world around us. So when I put on a jersey and I'm obviously taller than other people and I'm actually kind of good at this sport, the world around me is telling me, okay, you're good at this. Do this. Like I'm accepted. I, I see that there's, you know, feedback and I'm like, okay, this is what I should do. So I gain confidence because I'm good at what I do for you. Do you think you would have had that if you didn't have success at this early age? Like, would you come with that confidence? Like what is driving you to keep going? Is it the, is it the praise? Is it the accolades? What is the underlying thing that's driving you to keep going juggling all these different things i mean for me it's just i just love it i mean i love being busy and you know doing things that you know that i'm interested in if i was if i was busy doing something else working in a you know in a restaurant or working in a at like a tech some tech internship or something that i mean i would hate it and it wouldn't you know it'd be something else that would drive me maybe getting paid or whatever but you know, if I look at the Windy City job, I didn't even like think about getting paid. I didn't want, I didn't ask to get really? paid. I didn't, that wasn't something that was ever, um, that I even ever expected because I started on an internship there, um, for a few weeks through my school. Um, because that was the only way I was allowed to get in the office was if it was for school credit. Um, and so we found a program at our school that had an internship, like an internship program. I didn't even know it existed until I looked for it. Um, and so I got it through that, through that way. Um, and then when that was up, I was going to ask, you know, can I stick around and help out throughout the season? Um, wasn't going to ask to get paid, just, you know, just be around and help out because it was something I really loved. Um, but right before it ended, they came up and they offered me to stay. Um, they offered to pay me. So that was, <laughs> it's not, it's not something that, 
you know, the, the money or, you know, the people watching and saying, oh, you're doing a great job is not something that I think should drive people. It should be, you know, the love of what you do. And um, especially in the beginning when I was starting in high school with all like the film and journalism stuff, the beginning was really, really bad because I didn't know what to do that first like month of class. I had no clue what I was doing. You know, I was telling my mom, like, I don't know what to do in this class. And like, why did I sign up for this? Cause she was the one who originally got me to sign up. Um, and you know, people were, you know, people say things when you get on the school TV show for the first time and you're a freshman and people say things what do to they you, say? you know, just, you know, they call calling you names, just making up stupid jokes behind your back, you know, in the hallways, everybody's, you know, either pointing or whatever, you know, you just over time after it happens a few times, you don't, you don't really hear it anymore. I mean, the, the amount of people who do that now is so minimal that it doesn't even matter to me. I mean, it's, I've found people who really support what I do. Um, and I found a group of people that, um, you know, enjoys doing what I do as well. So, um, just knowing that there's people out there who support you, um, and just continuing to do something you love is, um, I think what, what drives me. Man, that's, that's fire. Just having your mom push you and having that, you know, background to push, even when you hear the noise, the outside noise and the hate, it's, it, and it's always happened. It's, it's almost like validation that, okay, you're doing the right thing because you're, you're gaining your, there's pushback here. And after you push through the noise and push through that, you're able to see all the traits and see who you can actually be. You get a glimpse of, OK, wait, <laughs> I'm actually great at this now. Like and I can keep going. I can keep going. And as you ascend, you're just used to, OK, there's always going to be noise and just keep pushing, pushing, pushing through. But I think I do want to go back there because I think it is important to, you know, touch and, and speak on that kind of noise, because even in that um, growing up playing basketball, playing the different games. There's a lot of times where I can remember seventh grade, I got cut from my basketball team. My, my coach, he said, I ran like a sissy with like my hand. I'm, I'm running like this. I'm so tired. I was overweight, whatever. And, you know, I heard the noise from the outside kids and they're like, oh, look at this kid. He's sweating. He's all, like, literally, I had all the different jokes, stereos outside the book, like they told me. And I went home. And I internalized that and I internalized that and I internalized that. And it's like, it, I didn't let it affect me outwardly. But when I went home, I'd be lying if I said, no, I've never even thought about this. I'd, I'd be lying if I said it didn't really affect who I saw myself to be. And then in turn, right. the next year I would make the team. But that drove me to do the next thing for right. you and your exactly. story. Did any of the negativity drive you to keep going? I mean, I'm not somebody who usually listens to like other people if they if they're sitting there not giving constructive criticism, then I'm not somebody who usually listens to that. I kind of just brush it off and, you know, just move on with my day. Um, but I mean, yeah, I would say that some of the stuff that, you know, people said or, you know, you're just the one kid who's the TV kid, right? You're the you're the kid on the TV show. Um, you know, everybody's watching. So somebody's going to have something bad to say. So I think just kind of ignoring it and not really worrying about what they have to say, um, just cause, just cause I had a passion for it. Um, and knowing that I was going to get better. Yes. I made mistakes. Um, yes, I maybe screwed up a, a date on the show that I was, you know, the boys baseball team was not playing that day and I made a mistake and I said that and I didn't catch it. And so somebody's going to, you know, say something about that. 
um, or people are going to yell at you for not covering their sport one day, you know, just, uh, just kind of keep going. Cause you know, you're, you're good at what you do. Um, I'm going to dig at that. And I, I'm so sorry to cut you off, but I am no, going to dig at that yeah. again because I'm listening to you and it sounds like you're so detailed and locked in that, you know, some people just throw out random things. I don't think that was random. I think you remember exactly what you messed up and that's yeah, in yeah. your head. So it's like, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, there was a, uh, I'm pretty sure it was either baseball or it was, it was either boys baseball or girls basketball. It might've been both actually. Um, but I, I think for girls basketball, I forgot to mention that they had a game the next day, like a big game. Um, completely forgot, you know, all the girls were like, heck. Um, and then, you know, baseball, I think I just missed a date um, or I got a date wrong. Um, but just like, if you got like a little missed up like that and somebody points it out, just take it, move on. It's a small mistake in the grand scheme of things. Nobody's going to remember it in a week. It, I, I said that because it's like perfectionist is what I what I think of. And it's like when you're striving, you're so detail oriented and locked in not to even labor this point over and over again. It's just like that's a lot to deal with. And and luckily at this stage, you you it seems like you haven't ran into that kind of headwind. But it's just something to think about, like. The having a balance or having kind of, you know, away from everything that you're doing can kind of recharge. Is there any way that when you're in the pressure of all the things that you're doing, you know, that you step away to recharge and re, you know, bring that vitality, the energy, the passion. I know you have it now, but when you are bogged down from, okay, dang, I messed up. I didn't put the girls basketball game in there. I didn't put the the baseball game. I didn't put everything in. I'm messing up with Windy City. Probably somebody didn't do the right edit. I'm pissed off. Like that's not the right angle that I wanted. Everything's coming to a head. Like how oh, do you man. how do you recharge? You kind of hit that right in the head with the with the editing thing. God, we've had some issues with that. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I like to listen to music a lot, so I just listen to a lot of music. Um, I just, you know, I'll just sit down, watch some TV, put the headphones in. Just that's kind of how I recharge because I don't really get a lot of chances to, you know, just sit down and relax. So just, you know, even something as simple, just sitting down watching TV show for 20 minutes uh, and, and I'm good to go. Uh, but if it's something that um, like if I'm having an issue in, you know, our TV class one day, uh, just kind of putting that to the side and then going to do something for the bulls is almost like a reset too, because I don't really have to worry about what was happening in that other activity. So even just moving from activity to activity is um, kind of a recharge for me because you're not, you're not really worrying about what just happened with something else. Cause you're so locked in with the next thing. Right, man. You you remind me. Honestly, sounds crazy. It's similar to me, bro. It's so similar to me. I had uh, my sister and her friends come over yesterday to this. You know where I'm at. This, <laughs> yeah. I had her come, and you know they asked me like, "Do you like anything leisure? And like you're you're working this podcast. You're doing this. You're doing this. It's like honestly, no. I like learning the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. So that's why when I'm looking at your story and even fast forward and moving on to the point of you actually interviewing, you know, athletes, professional athletes, like that, the kid that literally was asked to be a ball boy one time, then they picked him up to be on the actual staff. Now you're interviewing the people that you always, you know, watched and played like to a point of interviewing Isaiah Thomas and the likes of a PJ Dozier kind of walk me through finding your voice 
behind that mic, finding your voice in those interview process from that kid that had the little project at BHS High School interviewing a PJ Dozer to where you are now really connected with the stories of these individuals, whether it's the G League tracker highlighting, whether it's during COVID, you had a whole podcast to highlight stories and how guys were moving around the leagues and everything in their lives. Kind of walk me through your process in finding yourself, be remaining authentic to who you are. Yeah. I mean, if you look back at um, some of those first interviews I did on that media day um, for my school, I think it was it was Max Struess, it was PJ Dozier, and it was Milton Doyle. Um, they were all super short, you know, stand-up interviews, kind of really simple, like three questions. Um, and looking back at that, you know, I remember watching the Max Struess interview, and that was that was either the first or second one I did. Him and PJ. I, don't remember which order I did it in, but they were all within a few minutes of each other. Um, my voice was shaken in that one. Uh, <laughs> my questions were all, you know, they're all kind of simple, just kind of standalone questions. There wasn't really any build or flow to them is what I'd say. So I think, and I mean, I knew who the guys were. I, I've, I've done my research. I've watched basketball. I, I mean, they're on my team, like the team that I'm watching all the time. So of course I know who they are and I know their stories. Um, but now kind of, going through that, that class, that journalism class, um, and learning kind of, and seeing from other people how they do interviews, whether it's with student athletes, or if they have the opportunity to interview a professional athlete, I kind of learned to kind of be more of a, almost more of like a talk show type thing, instead of just interview question, interview question, interview question, kind of, you know, you know, preface your questions, talk a little bit about what they've done, and then add the question at the end. Um, just so it's not so robotic. And then if there's something that they say that you can piggyback the next question off of, uh, definitely try and do that. Um, and of course, just being a lot more confident on camera, just having that, you know, um, you know, smiling, just how though, like, you know, you, you can learn, be confident, do it, do it. But how, yeah. Experience. I think if you, um, you know, all those interviews I did over COVID, um, I was reaching out to guys and that was, that was without the help of the team or anything. That was me straight up just reaching out to people, hoping they would do interviews. Um, so the first one I did was with, uh, John Octius. Um, he was with Windy City for three or four seasons. Um, and you know, he agreed to do it. And first one went really well. And when I saw that first one go really well, and he was the first guy I reached out to. So nobody had said no to me at that point. So it was, it was was a yes. And then the interview went really well. Right. So I was like, Okay, great. Like you get confidence from something going well. I mean, if he had said no or the interview had gone like complete crap, then, you know, I'm sure I would have felt another way and I maybe wouldn't have kept going with it. But having that initial success and finding the right person to do that interview with really kind of builds your confidence. And then you do more and you do more. Um, I think who else did I interview? Interviewed, you know, Kerwin Roach, uh, Vincent Edwards played a little bit in the NBA. Um, you know, some veterans, uh, Reggie Hearn, who recently retired. Um, just, you know, over time, you just get better and better and you see what you're doing wrong. And then you try and fix it and you try and improve a little bit um, each time. So I think that's kind of how I built my voice and, and developed uh, behind the camera or on camera. Uh, man, something you just said there is, you know, 
basically getting your reps in. It's like reps, yeah. reps, reps. And it's almost like being competitive with yourself. Like, okay, I know I can be better. I know I can be better. I know I can be better. Push by the passion you already have for it. But as you see yourself, you know, actually stepping, going to the gym, interviewing that person, getting the reps in, despite the anxiety that, oh, I was bad last time. I can't, or I don't know what to say, despite feeling that, because we all feel that fear. Despite doing that, you still push through that voice. And kind of do it again and do it again and do it again. Now you're seeing yourself uh, ooh, relax when you're behind the mic, being yourself behind, and, yeah. you know, wearing a IT jersey interviewing Isaiah Thomas. I, I'm like from just a literally a binge watch of literally all your socials to where you got to that point. I'm like, well, that's actually really cool. Like to be at a young age and have this body of work and you're not an idiot. Obviously anybody listening, I know like you're not an idiot, how you literally like articulate yourself and you you're documenting everything you're doing. It's like LinkedIn everywhere you go. I'm like, bro, this guy is setting himself up for success. Like my thing is in that, I always, and I'm thinking now, I'm like, where is the kid side? Where's the young side? Where's the fun side? Like, I see this force, this driven, like, I know you're going to be huge. Like, literally, you might have to hire me later. <laughs> like, true respect. Like, but where's the other side, the kid side? Like you said, the social side being, you know, who you are, the other side of you, when you get back home behind closed doors that you really don't show to the world. Cause I really had to do some digging to find, you know, Oh, he has two siblings. He likes traveling. He goes to Seattle. Then he went to London. Like I had to find those things like yeah. deep down. How was that side? Like, how can you bring that side out in everything that you do? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's not everything that everybody sees, right? I mean, the, you don't post all the social stuff cause it's not, you know, the, Posting all the the basketball related stuff is purely, you know, yes, I love it. But if it wasn't helping me get anywhere career wise, I wouldn't be posting all the time. Right. So mm. the social stuff, you're not posting all the time. But, you know, I love, you know, love going out on, on the weekends with my friends, you know, going to Top Golf, doing, you know, going bowling, movies. Uh, I was in London because my brother was, is uh, the high school band that he's in. He was playing in the New Year's Day parade in London. So all my friends, um, who are seniors who are in the band uh, for New Year's Eve. I just went to their hotel and we all just hung out. Um, even though my parents and my sister were going to a nice dinner, I was like, you know what? I want to go hang out with my friends. There we um, go. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just, you know, just finding time to, to hang out with everybody whenever I can. Um, you know, going to the school dances, going to people's houses on Fridays or going to a birthday party and then right afterwards just run into a game. Um, I'm, trying to do more and be more, you know, cause I know this is especially in my last year, um, just trying to spend a lot more time with my friends instead of, um, working so much all the time, but still getting everything done that I want to get done. Um, you know, I still, I still love to have fun. What do they, what do your friends say? What do your friends say? Cause you kind of smiled there yeah. and, and, Again, I, I see so much of myself like, my, bro, like, come hang out with us. Like, I get like, what do your friends say to you? Yeah, we were trying to, I don't remember exactly what it was. We were trying to do something and they were like, okay, does this weekend work? And like, everybody was like, no, we've got this one thing, but I was free that weekend. I'm like, we don't have a game. I'm free. And then they were like, okay, what about the next weekend? I'm like, no, I'm working. Uh, and everybody was only available on Saturday and we had a Saturday game and I'm like, sorry, I can't be there. And then the next weekend they were like, Oh, what about this weekend? 
we're all free every day this weekend. And I'm like, but I'm not. We've got a Saturday game and we've got a Sunday game during the day. So, um, you know, they get it. They get that I love it. They, you know, they get that's where I'm trying to go career wise. So, I mean, of course they support it. Um, but just, you know, just trying to find the time to, to hang out is tough because, you know, everybody's busy with their own things too. But, uh, yeah. you know, usually it's me who's backing out of stuff or trying to change the date because, you know, I've got my weekends are usually usually full with uh, with G League games. Yeah. Nah, bro. I, I, I really, you know, part of this, our conversation here, I've been really picking at the opposite side. Like I see the light side. I see the, the bright side, the brilliant side of you, that everything that makes you go and you're successful already. And I think like, you know, as you look at everything that you've done, if anybody has eyes, <laughs> I, it's not the thing that like, honestly, it sounds weird that I'm intrigued to showcase here because I think that you do a great job of showcasing that and you just speaking already showcased that. I do. I am curious about the other side. You know, when I can't find certain things, when I look at an individual, I'm like, I'm going to ask them about that. I don't care how I usually ask my guests. I'm going to ask them about that. I'm going to ask them about that. I'm going to ask them about that because I'm really searching like what the the mental battle, the the mindset, the process, because everybody has, you know, a light side and kind of that side. It kind of wants to pull them down in those times. I guess what I want to know is like for because for me, it's similar to where. If I get on the interview and we had an interview, I'd be great. Okay, I do. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And then they ask me about that side, and I I really can't like I I don't rest. I don't do this. I'm so motivated. So I'm like I'm really prying at that side. So even me articulating and being vulnerable right now, it's like I have thirty. Literally, I always do this. I always show my guests how many different pages I have. This page, this page, this page, and then this page. Literally, I have pages and in this space. I have pages of you and like, I'm like, I literally have not asked any of that because I'm like, I'm not going to come on here and not ask the things that I really want to know about this right, person. Right, it's right. just like, what is, you know, the underlying thing? I don't know. But I do want to take it to a different place because, again, you know, your your friends, your family, everybody knows who you are. You're kind of motivated working towards one thing. I did look up your name and your main Sahil means leader yeah whether he follows his own path with confidence to lead his own life or he goes on to drive others forward sahil is destined to be a success i'm like bro that is fire like having that name is crazy and that now looked at some other uh words for it riverbank shore guide lead like that type of thing it's so crazy because it's like I see you as one, the head of the household being the oldest, and then two, literally your Don Sahil, the leader. Being everything that embodies that now, it's like, how do you let me let me think of a question here because it's like I I have another pressure question to ask, but it's like I don't want to ask him the pressure question because it's like he obviously doesn't feel no pressure because I'm just thinking, if my parents name me a leader. And then I have to be a leader of my siblings. And then everything I'm doing from BHS high school leading to tennis team leading and winning to G League tr- tracker founding to literally Windy City leading. Like, I got to lead everywhere. Like, I got to be tired of leading. I don't know. Just when you're in those times and you go back home and you, 
you just had a tough, you know, somebody messes up an edit, you versus your negative voice. How do you kind of work to quiet that voice, whether it's somebody that said something, whether it's like, okay, I want this position, but you know, this person has the traits that also against me, I'm competitive, all my work, everything, they see this, 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 that should mean that, right? And you, you're not able to get that position. You're not able to, you're running into roadblocks every time you're trying to move forward because someone like you, you have a vast mind. You probably have lofty goals that you haven't even put out. Like you literally said you would be a GM, those type of things. So when you have like those practical goals, like when you run into roadblocks, what is that negative voice saying to you in those moments? I think, you know, it's trying to get you away from it's trying to push you away from where you want to go and, and what you want to be. If there's something out there that, you know, let's say somebody, yeah, like you said, like somebody messes up an edit in a big way or something, just kind of not letting it get to you. I, I know it's, I know it's so easy to say, but <laughs> maybe it gets to you in the moment. Like I know it gets to me in the moment, but then just kind of dealing with it and moving on, just letting something simmer and, um, just kind of keep getting at you is, is not, I mean, it just doesn't work. Then you're not going to get anything done that you want to get done. So how do you I deal think, with it? I think just over time, you know, I'd say, you know, my first couple of years of high school, um, and, and I can think back to one specific instance where I had a, a disagreement with somebody in, in my class over, um, a version of a, a segment that we were going to submit to a, a national contest and we were, you know, we were going at it for a while. Um, our teacher didn't even get him want to get involved because he was like, Ugh, this is, it's, it's not great. It's kind of just between you two, you guys figure it out. And, you know, at that time, I was probably just letting it get to me more than I should have. I mean, I was kind of pissed what off. What was said? Um, you know, sh- the, the person that, you know, they edited their own version of the segment. I edited my version. I was on camera. And they were, you know, saying that, you know, Mine was really bad and it was, this was wrong with it. This is wrong with it. This is wrong with it. Um, and this is why mine's a lot better because it has this, 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 yours sucks. Yours doesn't have this. Um, you're, you've only been in the class one year. I'm trying to give you a big opportunity, even though they were a great ahead of me, but they were only in the class. They only did the class as long as I did. Um, and, and, you know, just trying to basically make me feel like I was being helped by them and that they were right, even though they weren't in really in a position ahead of me. Um, I think that was, that's what really got to me. I mean, now, uh, now I don't really, I don't really care because I know what I'm capable of. I think that if somebody, and, and this actually happened a couple of days ago where somebody, you know, tries to act like they, you know, like they're either so much better than you or, um, like that you don't know what you're doing. Um, and then all I say now is like, okay, you know, I just, I just, I just let it go because I know that I know in that situation that I know what I'm doing. I, I don't really have to prove to my prove to them that I know what I'm doing. Um, and that I'm capable of doing something that they don't think I am. Um, just cause everybody else around me can see it. So I think that's kind of one of the ways I've probably changed over the last few years. Do you think from the first incident where you engaged to this incident a couple of days ago where you chose not to engage because you know, you know, your body of work and who you are now, because like you said, everybody else knows what you can do. Um, was that with a peer or was it with somebody kind of over you? Because I think that kind of gets to a 
the point where if somebody's, you know, judging you or, you know, throwing something at you and their peer level and everybody else gives you the praise, you're like, all right, whatever. They they're just a one off. But when it's from somebody higher up, kind of not, you know, giving you kind of that, you know, you're doing well, you're that badge, that validation, it can kind of be tough. Like what was your relationship with that person? Were you on a peer level or I'm just curious? Yeah. So yeah, it was, it's, it's a in-class sort of thing with, um, with our TV class, but you know, and, and of course, if somebody has done more than me or they've, you know, they're at a certain level above me, of course, I'm going to respect what they say because, you know, they've done more than me. I, the people I learned from, I wouldn't have learned from them unless I actually respected and understood what they said. So if I just kind of put them off as, you know, they're criticizing me, they don't know what they're doing. That wouldn't make sense because they've had so much more experience than me. So, but if it's somebody on your level or below you who tries to make you feel like less than you are or tries to go at you for no reason, um, then I don't really see any point in kind of hearing that out and letting that kind of keep going. I think right. just kind of nip it in the bud and um, trying to just settle it and move on is, is the best way to go. Settle it and move on. When you're, when you're so focused, you, you know what you can carry to get you to that next point and you know what you need to leave behind. You know what sacrifice is, okay? I don't, I can't, I can't go out with the boys this weekend. I'm, I'm so focused on what I need to do, but that focus is obviously like pointing towards something. And if I was to ask you what that something is, kind of what is that dream scenario for you? Like the next step, what you want to do, whether it's not only with sports, but in life, like being a leader of men, you know, loving the game, loving sports, playing tennis, like all things considered, if you could do anything, everything with your traits that you're given, the God-given abilities that you've, you know, worked and, you know, stewarded over the years, what does your dream scenario look like? I think getting to a place where I'm able to, you know, let's look at it from a professional aspect. Maybe it's, um, you know, in sports, maybe it's not being a GM, or maybe not, not being the president of this, but having something where I can kind of have that kind of implement my vision um, is kind of where I want to be. Maybe it's like the head of a certain department in a sports team, or maybe it's not the top of the top, but somewhere where I know I can thrive and help others and kind of implement my creativity um, is where I want to be. I don't want to be somebody who's going to have to listen to somebody else for the rest of my life and work according to, you know, somebody else's kind of restrictions and rules all the time. Um, and I think that's something that I found, you know, it's, it's interesting. Cause like Windy city. Yeah. I have a boss, um, who actually just got hired by the Chicago bulls. So I new boss now. Um, but, uh, you know, both of them just, you know, yeah, they have, they have their rules and that's fine. Um, but they're not like set in stone. We're able to work collaboratively because, you know, they, they've seen the stuff I do and I'm able to kind of be on a similar level to them, even though they're, technically above me. Um, I think having that collaboration aspect is, has been really cool. And I um, would love to either have that in the future or a team that I can lead on my own. Were you ever in a point where you couldn't express yourself? Because everything that you just said is basically like, I want to lead whether, you know, it's here or there. I want to lead and, you know, have my vision, my self-expression on my team, have like my mark on an organization, my impact saying that like everybody like I think that's you know when people get frustrated in their job it's like 
I'm getting tired of trying to impress, impress, impress. I want to express myself in the confines of what I do, like become all that I am. That's kind of why I'm prying and pricking about like other parts of you, like expressing yourself. Were you ever in a point where you felt like you couldn't express yourself? I wouldn't say that I couldn't express myself. Um, Maybe not. I mean, if I look at it, like my first season with Windy City, like I was a lot more, you know, kind of go by the book, follow the rules, not offer up my opinions as much. Yes, I did sometimes, but I was still a little bit more like, you know, just work with this one person, kind of not, you know, work with everybody else in the office, not talk to the players that much, kind of just stay in my lane, kind of get that first season going. Um, but I mean, if I look at it this year now, um, I've become so much more comfortable in, you know, having relationships with the players in terms of, you know, talking to them every day, um, kind of getting to know them a little bit outside of basketball, you know, talking to our GM or our director of basketball ops or um, our ticket sales director, um, just kind of branching out and being less uh, maybe like timid, I would say. Um, but I wouldn't say there hasn't, there's been a situation where I haven't fully expressed myself. How did you get to that place? And not to keep asking you, asking you questions, because I was just in a place in Greensboro this year. And I think literally what you just said is so key. There's so many people, you know, okay, ticket sales, the staff that way, team that way, coaches this way. And it's like, there's no interaction. There's no life. And it's like, wait, we're all charged. And we're all, I think we're all coworkers. We're trying to, you know, G yeah, League is not yeah. just for the players. It's like, we're all trying to grow. And if not to shit on Greensboro, if we're all in a shitty town of Greensboro, there's nothing much to do. It's like, we should be interacting with each other. Like, how is there no relations? Like, how, like so I always was frustrated because I felt like I couldn't express that within everybody. Like I would always, okay, let me go reach out to them. Let me go reach out to them for your story. How did you get over that timid? timidity because I would go to the staff and be like, talk to us. We don't feel like, like, how did you get over that? What were the steps that you did? Like, yeah. So the, the first year I was there, I was, I started in the summer and then I moved into the first season. So I was really comfortable with uh, the team president, uh, Brad Seymour. He's somebody I've not, I've known since I started going to games. So like six years now. Um, and then my manager at the time, uh, his name is Sean, uh, really comfortable with him too. Right. So we all work together super well. Um, but not, I think being almost afraid to say the wrong thing to somebody else or do the wrong thing, um, or be seen as, you know, the kid, um, was kind of what kind of kept me away from, you know, being involved with the players or the rest of the staff as much. Um, you know, there's a couple of people that you're close to, but the people that you're not, like I wasn't interacting with them or trying to interact with them that much. Um, I think this year, you know, everybody saw, you know, in the first season, we had a lot of returning people, uh, front office staff players, um, which was really nice. Um, and then basketball operations staff. Um, so they, a lot of them saw what I did that first year and they knew me well enough to where I was able to start expanding and, you know, talking to them more or, um, we actually had, um, our direct director of basketball ops, uh, followed my page for a while, um, before he got the job. Um, and so, that's how we built up a relationship. It was easy to start talking to him and just, um, you know, just having that confidence after the first season. Uh, I've been through it before once. So getting to that first game, it was kind of just like, it was kind of go mode. It was, you know, it came naturally. Um, and then I was able to focus on other things. I mean, I think 
Bro, it's like when I, whenever I'm, obviously I'm listening to you speak, I'm listening, I'm like, bro, this guy gets more impressive and impressive as I hear him talk. And it's like, I'm ADD, so there's a lot that's coming in and out and in and out. I'm like, bro, I should have asked him that. I do have that. I should have asked him that. I do have that. And it's just like, bro, relax. And it's like that what you just said there, bro, is being seen as the kid and, you know, kind of if I'm you behind your eyes before I get that job. Honestly, honestly, if I'm me, I'm not thinking of that. It's like if I'm me, Norrence, not you, I would just go in there. I got the job. Yay. Let me go and and make moves. But if I'm you, if I was you, you literally created G League Tracker. So you go in there with credibility. Yes, I'm right. a young kid, but like, okay, look at my work. So you can't see me as a kid because, oh, oh, I see his background. Like he really actually knows what he's talking about. Like he highlights the stories like that builds you credibility. So when you walk right. with these G League conversations, like I'm not just looking like, oh, there's some kid. Let me sign his autograph. They're, like, you no, this is an actual interview. Like you come with a presence like that's so smart. I'm thinking out loud like, bro, what? Like. This kid is not even 19. But that's kind of something, uh, you said something that was similar to something Isaiah Thomas said. Uh, their director of basketball ops, uh, you know, they set up the interview with him. He comes out of the locker room, points him over to me. Um, and we start walking, you know, from the locker room out to the court where I have a setup. And then, you know, he thinks it's just kind of just, you know, just kind of like a little bit of a BS interview to start. And then we get out there and he's like, oh, shoot, like you got a full interview set up and everything. Um, like he was, I think he was a little bit surprised. Um, you know, no, you could see, seeing that I'm a kid, you didn't think that it was going to be like a proper thing. Um, so, you know, just trying to stay professional and stay credible is, is, is super important. You got some shit to you too. Like I, I can see the athlete, like even that, when you said that it, it, it charged you and it, like him even saying that was like, Man, what do you think this was going to be? Like, I put my hard earned, like I put my work into this, like before you were here, like I got the Jersey, I've been grinding. Like I got my team, like the right angle. I got people, I got this ready. Like, what did you think? I don't know. This, that fighter spirit. That was a funny one because I had, um, my school out, uh, that day I had, um, a bunch of the kids in my TV class. Uh, we got them uh, like passes to come out and shoot the game because it was like an education day game. It was one of those 11 a.m. starts. Those are ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so they were all sitting there. It was like 10 of them just watching. And then we had like two people shooting photos of it. Um, and then a couple other team staff that were watching. So it was almost like a live interview, which was kind of cool. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just I I think he was a little bit a little bit surprised. But, you know, he, he was good. Uh, he gave me a good interview. So I'm I'm happy with that. What has been your, you know, your most proud, proudest moments of your, even before 19, professional career? Not quote, because you are a professional, but in my mind, I'm like, bro, what the heck? This guy's, what has been your, your proudest moment so far that you could say, okay, like, like, I'm really proud of this moment. Yeah, you're not complacent because before I even cut this question off, Somebody like you, if I break you down right now, you're like, well, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. What can you say that you're proud about that you've done to this point? Um, I mean, I would say probably being able to interview guys who I've seen play when I was younger. Um, and then I always thought like, oh my God, like that's that guy. Like now I'm like kind of sitting here just you know, you came up, shake my hand, 
we sit down, we do an interview and we're good. Like, it's not like it's like who, uh, I think Jason Terry was probably the big one. Um, that was, he was really down to earth, really chill. Um, but, and you know, when I was asking him questions, he gave, you know, serious, thoughtful answers. Um, and I remember, I think it was one of my first few packs of basketball cards that I got when I was in like elementary school. Uh, he was one of the guys on one of the cards. Um, so just seeing guys like that, who I saw, you know, playing the NBA, um, or even Isaiah Thomas, you know, when the Celtics were always beating the bulls, uh, when he was with them, uh, just kind of being on like a similar level to them almost, you know, they're still up here, you know, they're the great professional athlete, you know, Jason Terry, 19 years in the NBA, NBA champion, Isaiah Thomas, multi-time all-star, but you're not being treated in a different way. It's like, you guys are almost, I don't know how to describe it, but you're just kind of like, it's not like there's a lot of fanfare around them. Um, they're treating you like almost like an equal. I'd say that's what I'm really proud of being able to get to that moment where I'm no longer, you know, running up and being like, Oh my God, it's that, it's that person. But just kind of being able to, um, you know, be professional with those guys and uh, kind of be on a similar footing. Being on a similar footing all come from the passion that you had from early age to where you are now. I think you did say something in a forum. You said, that you would implore people to put energy into pursuing their passions or you'll regret it. Kind of just a closing kind of question for you. What would you say, or if there's somebody listening right now to our conversation and listen to somebody so driven to the different things that he has to do and I can kind of reside and I definitely resonate with that because I am as well. But if somebody's listening and is it, isn't like that, like doesn't have interest, doesn't know what they're interested in, doesn't know what they're passionate about. Kind of, if you don't know what you're interested in, someone so driven like yourself, what would you say to that person to find an interest? Like, how do you go about identifying a passion? Try things. I mean, that was, that was me. I didn't know TV media. I had no clue that was going to be what I was interested in, but you know, we heard about, Oh, it's a great program at the high school. It's kind of unique. Um, something I haven't seen before. Let me give it a shot. My mom was really adamant about that and I ended up loving it, but you know, who knows May I might've ended up not liking it or, um, some of the other classes I didn't take. If I took them as a freshman, would I've liked them? Would I've not liked them? I'm not sure. So just try things. If you don't like it, try something else. Um, you're going to find something that you enjoy. Uh, I think just putting yourself out there and, um, giving something a shot that you're not sure about um, is the best way to, to find uh, a passion and an interest is the best way to find a passion. Obviously, if you can see my camera switched because the battery's <laughs> exhausted, who cares? That's that's television. No, it's not. Anyways, nah, bro. I think that literally is what I would say. Literally trying things gives you the passion to do the thing. Like, okay, I don't like this. Let me try this and try this. And, then you see yourself becoming great at something. You're like, okay, I develop pride in this because I'm good. Oh, what the heck? And then people like, I get validation from this too. Like you're a person. You're like, okay, this is cool. Like I see yeah. myself where I didn't think I was. A lot of people get so like depressed because, oh, I feel like I don't have the traits. And then they look at somebody else who's doing the thing that they didn't know they could do until they tried the thing. So they're right. like, it's about staying in your own lane and then trying the things in front of you. And that's why it's so, it's so amazing. Honestly, 
honestly and inspiring to see somebody this age that's, you know, doing all that you are. I'm, I wasn't, I know a lot of people weren't like, so I would honestly, nobody needs a pat on their back, but keep going in everything that you're doing. Because I think the beauty of, you know, podcasts and, you know, evergreen content, you can look back and see, okay, I was there because before this, I looked at where you were before then. I'm like, okay, like he's become this. And then when you go on to do the things, you become this and this. They can look back and see your story and see how you were, like the demeanor and how focused you are and, and see the beauty in that. So again, thank you for just sharing your story. Another and last closing, you know, kind of question I ask all my guests, overcoming your mind bully, whether it's you versus you in the negative times where somebody messes up an edit or you don't feel like this charged person that you are. How do you work the practical steps to overcome that negative voice? Um, and I think I touched on this a little bit earlier, um, but just kind of knowing, knowing yourself first is huge. If you don't like, if you don't understand like how you're going to react to something, then you're not going to be able to overcome it. So if you're just out here always, you know, there's, a million things going on. You're stressed about this. You're something else is bugging you. Um, if you don't know like how you like, I, I don't know how to phrase it necessarily, but like know yourself, know how you handle things. And if you can like make sure you like don't do what normally you would do, like if you know, okay, I'm gonna have a bad reaction to this, just trying to stay conscious and avoid that specific thing. Uh, it is huge. And I think not worrying too much about what other people say, especially if you're um, doing something you love. Um, I think that's um, kind of a, a, a huge thing as well. Also, don't beat yourself up. Like if something goes wrong, uh, you know, if you accidentally mess up an edit or if you, you know, miss a massive shot or something happens like that, it's one moment in time. Nobody's going to remember it in 15 seconds unless you're in the NBA finals or something, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, just in general, like it's life moves on. Uh, there's new things every day. There's, uh, new opportunities, uh, new things to do. So, uh, don't get so hung up on one thing that it prevents you from, uh, kind of growing and, and moving on in the future. Beautiful. Self-awareness is, is kind of what I got from that self-awareness. Once you're aware of, you know, kind of how you react to things, you know, react. To, okay. Why do I feel this way towards that? Okay. Then you can do the next step to kind of figure out, you know, different tactics to overcome and move and move forward. And, and you literally the next part of what you said literally just helped me on this podcast. I'm so candid. I'm so, you know, what, well, honest, vulnerable, whatever. Like, yeah, for me, I'm like, bro, you didn't showcase this man's story in the way that you should have, like you should have gone here, here, here. And he tennis, the Laverne cup where he was the ball boy. And then he did all this and, and like everything that you've done in your story. It's like finding a, like a pathway to do it. It's like my negative voice, my mind beliefs, like, no, you should have did it this way. And it's like me, like, nah, bro. Like I'm yeah. a believer of God, let God move and let God speak through me, you know, and, and whatever you're interested about this, your podcast, you didn't make a podcast to be a shell of yourself. Anyway, I'm, I'm speaking out loud again, but now nah, what you just said there helps me even overcome that negative voice. So again, thank you for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, it was a great conversation and, you know, just love talking about a little bit of everything. It was really cool. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mind Believe Podcast. If you like anything you heard in this very episode, do me a favor. Rate and review this podcast. It really means everything. Rate and review, please. For me to you, peace and love to the next one. Let's get it. Hey, Genix, you're going off.